What, what am I supposed to say? I've never listened to a podcast. You're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. You're, you're, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Big podcast. Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. Hey, you're listening to Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. <laughs> And we are live here for another edition of the Big Wheel Coaching Podcast. Everyone, I am so excited. I am, well, I should introduce myself. Everyone knows I'm Brian McCulloch here with Big Wheel Coaching. I am the assistant to the boss, my lovely wife, Joy McCulloch, and the founder of our coaching company. And uh, I am here today with a very, very special guest. We're going in a, in a new direction with the podcast or, or a congruent direction. And this is the first time we've had a guest outside of either one of our athletes or one of our coaches. And I'm so thankful today to talk to someone who is a personal friend of mine, somebody of just, I think the world of and look up to Kurt Shellman with Paceline products. You guys might know him as the godfather of chamois butter and uh, a lot of other great products in the bike industry. But uh, Kurt, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Oh, Gal, Brian, it's great to be here. I appreciate the uh, invitation and the time. Uh, anytime I get to speak with you, it's it's always a great experience for me, and, and I think we're going to have a great time today. Oh, we absolutely are. Absolutely. So for everyone at home wondering, well, okay, so so where's the where's the connection? Let me just lay it out from the beginning. Kurt is uh, just a guru of gravel. And a lover of all things bikes, besides being in the bike industry as, as, uh, well, Kurt, what is your exact title at, at Paceline or Chamois Butter? Well, my, uh, my title is I'm chief operating officer. Uh, I've been with Paceline products for about 14 years. Uh, so I, I, we're a small company, so I, I wear a lot of hats, touch a lot of different things, but, but I'm the, I'm the chief ops guy, uh, which means you do everything from, forklift to take out the trash to uh come up with new ideas for products and everything in between and everything in between and and that's really where we're starting right now is the everywhere in between so you and i had a conversation last year at uh what is unfortunately now the final interbike uh trade show and you were just sharing with me your passion for gravel and that you've done dirty kanza eight times this will be this year will be your ninth and i was kind of musing that after winning the belgian waffle ride that i really wanted to kind of step up and do dirty kanza because so many of my friends and a, and a mutual friend of ours neil shirley has just said so much incredible things about the event i've coached a couple of people uh to do the event and i just i really wanted to get my hand on what it's like to do one of these really big races and you said, well, son, let me teach you something. <laughs> so, you know, some, <laughs> some phone conversations here and, uh, a number of phone conversations together. And, and, you know, we're one week away from you, uh, doing your ninth dirty Kanza and I'm going to do my first. And I'm just so excited to be there and be with everyone from not just the chamois butter brand, but also team chamois butter and, uh, and just get an idea to learn and bring that, that experience back to my athletes and help enhance my coaching ability from doing that. But, but that's where we thought, Hey, what a great opportunity to do a podcast with someone like yourself who's so experienced at doing these bucket list events and have really seen them grow from when they were not on the map to 
you know, all eyes are on Dirty Kansas this year. It's a really big deal, and, and you're a big part of that. Well, we've been with Dirty Kansas since basically 2011. So back then it had about 300 riders, about 80 finished. It was a really tough year. And now, you know, what do they have close to 3,000 riders? And it's become a, it's, it's become iconic, uh, in, in, in the whole gravel world and, and is really a focal point for the entire bicycling world in, in the U.S. or North America anyway. So yeah. And, and I'm excited that you, you're taking this on. I wouldn't for sure if a roadie guy like you was going to come out here and get dirty and actually, uh, stick himself, expose himself out there for 200 miles of, uh, Kansas Flint Hills and gravel. So my hat's off to you for giving this thing a go. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Well, you know, you know what's ahead of me. And, and I have to be honest, like this, this, this particular event has been really good for me because it's not like the Belgian waffle ride, for example. And I've done a couple of gravel events, um, including a 12 hour mountain bike race that I did on my gravel bike. But I did that. None of those, those were all on, uh, courses that I'd either pre-ridden or have ridden or raced in the past. So nothing was entirely new to me. And because I, you know, also race for Elevate KHS Pro Cycling, to me, it like, there's, there's something where you get nervous for a bike race, but you always do your homework. And what's interesting now is I've never been to Kansas. I've never been to this. I've never ridden this kind of bike on this particular, uh, type of riding and this type of terrain, nor in this environment and com- being completely self-supported. So there's so many new things. And that's really brought me back to a, a new level of connection with my athletes, because a lot of them are doing bucket list events for the first time. And for them, it's like, there's all of this that's new and there's all of this nervousness. So I'm really thankful to you, Kurt, because you've mentored me so much in this and said, Hey, I think you need to do this. Don't do that. Hey, I know you're training like this, but maybe you need to do that. And, and that's been so helpful for me. And that's really where this podcast really spurs from is I thought, my gosh, Kurt is a wealth of knowledge. We have to share his thoughts and ideas. Um, and just the great chamois butter products. Cause I, I just, we use them every day and, and it's just like become synonymous with like the first thing you're going to do. If you're going to do a long ride is you have to have chamois butter like it's like basic right so to me it was so much value for our athletes for them to listen to what you have to say so again thank you for being here and 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 i'm looking forward to where this goes i've got some things that i want to cover but i really want you to be you know you have a lot to give and and so please don't let me hold that back if you think we need to go in a certain direction we need to talk about it well i think you know one thing to first kind of start with is to set you know, set the stage for what Dirty Kanza is and, and where it is. And, you know, it's, it's in a small town in Emporia, Kansas. Uh, uh, it's a 200 mile ride on gravel roads, very lightly traveled roads. And it goes across some private land that can only be accessed during the Dirty Kanza. There's a, these are big ranch lands that, uh, uh, there's thousands of heads, hundreds of thousands of head of cattle are grazed on these grasslands throughout the summer months, spring and summer months. And, uh, and the Flint Hills are, are right in the center of Kansas and they're what's left of the great prairie. I mean, the great prairie used to stretch from Texas up into Canada was from the, you know, the Eastern slope of the Rockies all the way over to the Mississippi. That was the great plains and all that's left of the natural prairie that, that once encompassed all that area is, 
basically the Flint Hills, which is a couple of hundred miles long and 50 to 70 miles wide in different areas. And, and so it, it, it's an, it's an ecosystem that has shrunk. And, uh, but we still get to have a piece of it right here in Kansas. So that's, that's kind of the backdrop for the setting. Uh, it's very rocky. Uh, a lot of the rocks, it has its name called the Flint Hills because the rock is very hard and can be very sharp. Uh, it's not uncommon. It's, it's not extremely common, but it's, it's, you can find Indian, Native American arrowheads out there. Different shards are used for different cutting devices and stuff like that. So you can imagine the challenge that is for a bicycle tire going across rocky roads that uh, has basically surgical edges on them in some in some spots. So very easy to slice a tire. So that's that's kind of the the setting for for where that's at. Um, I always like to talk a little bit about Emporia. You know, we think of Emporia as a small town. It's got about twenty thousand people in it. But in this region, in Kansas, uh, Emporia is a pretty good-sized town in the state of Kansas. I think there's only about 15 communities in the state of Kansas that are larger than Emporia. So while most of the world regards it as a small town, it's a pretty healthy-sized community for uh, for a flyover state like Kansas. It has a small university there with about 5,000 students, so it has that that aura about it or that sense about it of college kids and People dreaming to go on in, in life and everything. And it's a small town, uh, has ranches and farmlands and, uh, you know, people don't lock their houses, so to speak. Neighbors know each other's names, know their kids' names. Uh, uh, a handshake is as good as a contract in this, in this type of community. Very, very strong work ethic, very hard, uh, pioneer type, uh, sturdy folks that, that populate these areas. So, um, I always can't Emporia. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's coupled with the ranch lands, farm fields, has a culture of hardworking, handshake, down home, honest talking, open doors to family and neighbors, and you honor and respect your mother and father. You treat these strangers like you'd like to be treated. So when you come into Emporia, it's your small town too. And, uh, and, and the only thing that's different about Emporia from most other small towns, it has a really big gravel race in it. Uh, and so that kind of sets the backdrop, I guess, Brian, is what I would, what I would say. Holy smokes. Like in all of our conversations, we never really touched on any of that. We certainly have touched on the preparation side of, of, as an athlete, how you would prepare for something like a 200 mile race and, and the specifics of it being a self-supported event and how that differs from a lot of other things that are out in the, the cycling community right now. But when you start thinking of it being a down home place where it, it, it's a place that we can make our own, right? It's, it's just like any other small community, like, like but setting the, I think it's important for people to, to know. I mean, we, we coach at Big Wheel Coaching, we coach people, I mean, from Bermuda to Guatemala to, uh, you know, all over in some places in Europe. I've coached guys in Singapore and, but also all over the, the United States. But mostly we have local folks that are of the West Coast. And in California, you kind of think of the world as Californians do, right? I mean, there's sunshine and mountains and you could drive to the mountains in an hour and the beach in an hour. It's kind of a unique area. But when you start talking about a flyover state and a university of 5,000 people, I mean, 
you know, my small town of Yukaipa is a very small town by California standards and it's 45,000 people, right? That's <laughs> twice the size of Emporia, right? right. And, and, and what's really interesting to me is what you just said there is the only difference from any other place, any other small town is that this one has a gravel race. So the fact that we can make it our own is like, wow. I, I feel like there's a lot of ownership there with us and, and like stewardship that comes along with being an athlete there. Cause you don't just get to be like, okay, cool. I'm coming as a, some form of a customer and I'm here to be served. It's like, I have like a duty and a responsibility if I'm going to go onto this prairie that is still literally untouched natural land where you can see the heritage of hundreds of years ago. That's a, that's a pretty cool experience to be a part of. And, and yeah, and you're right. And, and, and you'll be on a working ranch and, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. I've seen, uh, over my eight years, we've stopped the race has stopped to let the cattle cross the road. Uh, and because that's the last thing and you know, they'll talk about it at the pre-ride meetings and things like that is the last thing that a rancher wants to see is his cattle running. They'll get hurt or they'll lose weight or any, any number of things can occur with that. So it's kind of funny. You'll see riders will slow down and stop to make sure that the cattle can be off the, the farm roads because you're riding across open range territory with thousands of acres and no fences in sight in some areas. And so it, there's a respect. The riders, all, almost all the riders that I've seen over my years at the DK come in and respect the land, respect the culture, respect what's going on there. That's what's really made the gravel scene really cool. Is it's a, it, it's a humbleness to there's something bigger than the bike race. And that's, that's the setting of where we're at. And, and we're, no one tries to take advantage of that, uh, which is kind of what you're saying. Wow. That is, I, I haven't thought of it like that because again, coming from, you know, and you alluded to earlier, like, obviously I spend a lot of my time racing on the road and on the road, we tend to be like, Hey, we're, you know, you're, we're the bike race, especially when we're at big UCI races like tour of Utah or, or, you know, even tour of Taiwan. It's like, you know, we can take up the whole road and you do all sorts of things that you would never do in a regular situation. Like, you know, you would throw a water bottle on the side of the road to a, a fan. Like that's just not on the table in gravel, number one, because don't ever get rid of your stuff. It's self-supported. You need that later. Right. But, but number right, two, like, right. like, like there's no entourage <laughs> behind you to kind of clean up the mess that, that can be, um, you know, the craziness of a bike race and, and maybe mess isn't the right word, but like, it's a little bit of a circus, a road race. And then you got to kind of have people to come tidy that up after and, and gravel, is not that way, right? Like we want to leave the place as pristine as we were there and we want to come in, enjoy it, be a part of it, and then share all the stories with our friends afterwards and then be able to come back again. So I think that respect is huge. So thank you for reminding me of that, both both as someone who's an athlete who I want to have a great race, but also um, as someone who wants to be, you know, I'd like to go back to this thing year and year. And, and what's really unique is, about DK is now there's all these other awards available to people because it's become a part of their life. Right. So there's, and I wanted you to kind of talk through that because you've been there since 2011, you've done eight dirty Kansas, you've finished 
eight dirty Kansas, right? And so at 200 miles, that puts you at 800 racing miles, right? And you're going to go for nine this time. I have every confidence in you that you're going to finish because obviously you're a stud, but there's, there's, there's not just a five, there's a thousand mile club, but there's also a, I mean, is there a 2000 mile club? What's going on? Yeah, I, there's a thousand mile club. It's called the five timers club. Uh, you know, and I think that, uh, that was an inspiration by four time winner, Dan Hughes, who owns a sunflower bike. And I think sunflower bike shop in Lawrence, Kansas, which is just a little bit north of Emporia. And, um, he, he came up with the, the thousand mile club or the five time club. And you get a, after you finished it five times, you get a, you get a grail, which is a, a big goblet, uh, that's engraved with the Dirty Conza logo. And, you know, there's probably a hundred to 120 members of that club right now. I don't know the exact number on that. So there's quite a few people, but you start figuring up the, the numbers, uh, it takes a while to get to that. Uh, I think, I think Neil Shirley is still chasing it. I think this might be his fifth year. So he'll get the grail this year if he finishes. And I think Ted King still got a couple more the last time I talked to him. So even, even the fast guys are chasing that five time finisher club. So now as far as the, I think if they, they haven't, they don't have a 10 time club. I think if they do, it's going to be a straight jacket is probably what they give you for uh, finishing thing 10 times. So. Um, uh, or that's what I think I probably deserve is a straight jacket. So, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're probably already making it in your size and it's just going to say, it's, it's just going <laughs> well, to say just, Shelvin. It needs to be purple and, <laughs> needs to be purple and yellow. So, uh, it'll, it'll look like I'm working. So, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and, and speaking of purple and yellow, I think that's really important because, something about the gravel scene that's really unique is that it's, there's a lot of fellowship there and there's a lot of, you know, Hey, encouraging your buddies. And there's a lot of shared experience. And the reason that I'm going to dirty Kanza is for you really, I mean, because of you, right? Like you, 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 you said, Hey, Brian, uh, it's very difficult for, for those at home who don't know the dirty Kanza has, as it's very difficult to get into because you have to have a lottery system. You have to get very lucky and this, that, the other, but you have a team of people that you bring and part of being a part of Shammy Butter allows certain, uh, you know, opportunities like that. And I'm very thankful to be a part of the Shammy Butter team and be a part of helping spread that message that you guys are very team oriented. And there's so many great things that come along with kind of being a part of that Shammy Butter team. One of which is the opportunity to be at this event with a whole lot of your friends. So it's not just, you have done it, this amazing feat yourself. This is really about you having brought all these other people along this journey with you. And, and, and as a coach, I just, man, my hat's off to you. I think that's so awesome because, because shared experience is what keeps us in the sport and, and is what really makes the memories worth cherishing. So tell us a little bit about the Shammy Butter team and what the, how that started and has evolved into Dirty Kanza is like, that's, that's it. That's the pinnacle. Yeah. Well, we have, uh, every year we have about 25, uh, team members that we bring in for the DK and, and some of them come from as far away as Seattle, California. We, we're spread all over. We have some, they're mostly brand ambassadors for them. Most of them are local. Uh, but we have 25 riders and then we also, they also have their support crews with them. So we have about 60, 60 plus 
people that are associated with the chamois butter team and we have a dinner the night before and you know and, and really all that truly is uh they're kind of our family so to speak most of them are if they weren't they were friends or acquaintances before we brought them in as part of our team but they've become great friends afterwards some of them have been my friends for you know 20 30 years I, i've been with chamois butter about 14 years so and that's kind of when we started doing this team was about four, 13, 14 years ago. And so it's an extension. We're a small company. And so it's important for us to support what our, what our friends and family like to do. And that's why we got involved with the DK. Uh, I, I first wanted to start doing it. I found out I had some of our ambassadors wanted to too. So we kind of, we kind of drug chamois butter along into the DK. Uh, but it also made sense because, you know, our, our customers are people that use our product. They want to do this. So what better thing for us than is it for us to, support the types of activities that our friends and families and customers want to do. And so that's why we've gotten into more and more gravel events. You know, we've supported the DK since 2011. We're doing the land run and SBT. We're probably going to do some things with the Belgian waffle ride, unpaved Pennsylvania, Chino grinder. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of gravel events that we're being involved in, but that's what we want to do. You guys are, you guys use our product. You're out there having fun. Let's see if we can enhance the fun and enhance the experience for everybody, our friends, family and customers while they're on the bikes doing these gravel events. So, uh, that's, and, and you're right. I mean, we, we all, everyone gets to hug and, and cheer each other on. And, and, uh, we, uh, we don't have, the team's not a performance-based team. We all certainly chase our own dreams and our own and our own goals and things like that. But we're not about that. Uh, I have one. I basically have one rule, and it's it's if you're wearing if you're part of the Shamey Butter team, you need to be nice to people. And if you can't do anything else, just be nice to everybody because that's all. That's all we really ultimately need to be is let's treat each other with respect to be nice to each other, and let's all just have fun. And, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, yeah, we all raced hard, but at the end of the day, let's, uh, let's have a cold drink together and, and, uh, go get something to eat and, and laugh about it. So that's, that's kind of the, the essence of, of, of our team and our mission with that team. Kurt, I just love that. That means that resonates so much with me. And I know that'll, that all the people listening, that will resonate with them because, you know, there is, there's something, you know, Joy and I, when we're coaching, you know, you kind of think about it like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, does anyone hear about it? Right. Yeah. Well, the idea is right. no. Right. So, so the idea is that if you go <laughs> to a race and you're unsupported or you don't have, um, anybody, any friends or community there and you win, well, what's there, what, what's the memory to celebrate? Right. And that's right. half the, like, like certainly, you know, and that's where obviously Joy and I, we started dating at like one of our first dates was going to a bike race. And she was, that that was what we did the whole way home was like, she was like, and then this girl attacked and I covered it. And, you know, like you're, you're retelling <laughs> those tales and, and you just like, well, and then, you know, in that one section, there's like a, a hole in the road, but there was a crosswind. So we were kind of, you know, and, and so, um, that, 
that is really important is having that community to be able to support you. And, and what I like to think of is I like to think of it like a wolf pack, right? Because if we're thinking of it like a wolf pack, it's like, there's, there's a whole lot of people that choose to be at home and they choose to maybe live a sedentary lifestyle. But if they're listening to this podcast, they've already chosen that they're going to be an active participant in their life and they're going to, they're going to be working for it. And so you've now like surrounded yourself with this group of people that are like, Hey, I want to be a part of the wolf pack. And the chamois butter wolf pack is like, now we're all trying to do our best performance within the, the realm of, like you said, we're going to be nice people and we're going to do things um, that lift each other up, right? Because at the end of the day, if somebody needs something, we're going to make sure that they're not stranded out there. We're going to make sure to give them a tube or something like that, right? And, yes. and that's where that's where I really love what you're talking about because it it may not be performance-based in the sense that you're like, hey, guys, we're here to win. And and that's certainly not your goal. But but. It absolutely is performance-based in that we want everyone to have the most memorable performance they can, right? And that's where you and I have really resonated in that we just want people to do our their very best, right? And and along the way, if we can help them and enhance them doing their very best, boy, I mean, what greater impact or what more powerful impact can you have on the sport and, and on people that you know and care about. And you're doing that through great products with chamois butter, but also not just having listening to those people and helping their needs through chamois butter and, and the other products in that line, but also doing that at the event itself and going, Hey, like this is how we use it. And this is how it's enhancing your experience. So you can have a great day when we're talking about 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours of pedaling. Right. I mean, cause dirty Kansas isn't always about, it's not even about the winners, to be honest. I got an email from the race director where he's like, hey, you being a good steward is much more important than how fast you pedal, right? So there's this thing called the Race the Sun Club, right? I mean, there's we kind of keep going on about these things you can achieve at Dirty Kansas, but there's a whole lot more to it at the event than just going fast, right? Oh yeah, exactly right. You know, I've I've said a lot of times, I don't know, maybe not with this quite with these words, but you know, human chemistry, uh changes when we spend time together on a bicycle and, and that's a lot of what's going on out at the dk it changes people's lives i mean you can go to youtube and hit dk you know google dk or you or search dk on youtube and there'll be different things that pop up and some of them will they will put a lump in your throat and a tear in your eye for the amount of emotion that's tied into that event so it, it, it's it's a it's a tremendous thing and it's a life changing thing for a lot of people. And it's because we're all, we're all out there sharing and spending time on the bike together. We're changing the chemistry of where we are. And, and, uh, and I, and I think that's a, that's a big thing. Race the sun's always, uh, is always a, uh, there are people sprinting for the last seconds of sunlight in order to beat the sun in. I mean, the, the race starts at basically at dawn, 6 a.m. in the morning. That's when the, that's, that's official rise of the sun and the race the sun ends 14 hours and 32 minutes later at 8:32 at night or 8:42 at night that's when the sun officially sets and so uh that that got started about 6 years ago 7 years ago i think I think it was 6 years ago they started making a special award that if you can beat the sun in you got a special award and and that has become Certain years, there's only been like 
20 or 25 people that have beat the sun. Other years, there's been close to 300. All depends upon the, and that also gives you the, the scope of what the day is like sometimes too. Uh, it can be anything thrown at you out there. Uh, I've ridden through hail and, and, uh, cold weather and pouring rain and 103 degree heat and 30 mile an hour winds and tornado warnings and, uh, and it, and it's all, and, and also very calm and beautiful days as well. So it can throw anything at you, but, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's quite an experience. And I think that the race of sun is probably one of those great. It's one of the great challenges out there because it's very finite and, and anybody or almost anybody can achieve that. Very few people are going to beat Ted, the Ted Kings to the line or the Matt Stevens or the Yuri Hoswalds. Or that, or the Allison Tetricks, or the uh, you know the Amanda Newmans, very or Rebecca Rush, very few people are going to beat them to a line, but a lot of people can beat that old sun to the sunset on June first. That's beautiful. You said something there, and, and I want to tie back something from one of our previous conversations that I I hope, and if this is outside the boundaries please say something. But we talked at one time very early in one of our conversations and you were talking about that emotion. And we were talking about kind of all of the stages that one might have to go through. And for those uh, at home listening who know me, you know, they think they know that I spend a lot of time researching mental toughness, thinking about mental toughness, putting putting myself in situations that are going to help make me better and help my athletes be better for that. Right. And so, um, one thing that we talked about was I was worried, like, you know, do I have enough of that? How do I increase that? How do I uh, get that sorted out for this kind of event? And you shared something very special with me. And if you're not comfortable sharing it, I totally respect that. But you, you said that, that something happens to you. There's, a, there's always a difficult moment in these events, right? There always is in these kind of events. There's going to be a difficult moment. Any rider is going to have it. Some, some people might have more than their fair share of it, but everyone's going to have a difficult moment. It's how we overcome that adversity and how we continue to move forward. And you said there was, there's been some specific ways in which you have done that because you talked about this being a life-changing experience. Are you kind of, you're okay with sharing some of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I may, I may not, you know, recount specifically what, what you're referencing to, you know, but I always have, uh, you, you have highs and lows and, and as you go through this thing, I mean, it's, it's 12, 13, 14 hours of very hard physical labor for lack of a better term. And you end up with doubts. I mean, you're searching yourself and, and, uh, in a lot of times and there's, like I said, there's, there's good times and there's bad times and, and someone said, this is not my, I didn't say this, but I always repeat it. You know, it's, there'll be good times and bad times and neither one of them is going to last. And, uh, so, you know, when you're feeling good, embrace that. When you're feeling bad, well, you better embrace that too, because you'll start feeling good again sometime. But for me, I always have a, every DK, the eight DKs I've done, uh, the lowest points are always somewhere on the, but before, Somewhere between 100 and 150 miles are always the lower points of, of the event for, for probably everybody and certainly for me. And, and I always somewhere in that section, but used to be they'd have three checkpoints. So before the third checkpoint, somewhere in those low moments, I, um, I always see my father 
And my father passed away 27 years ago, but dad's always there. And, um, you know, I'm sorry. It, it does, it does stir you up, but I'm, I'm okay to say this. <laughs> I have to, I have to yeah. breathe yeah. through it a little bit, you know, but my, my dad's always there and I know I'm okay because he's there. And I don't know why he shows up then. <laughs> I always jokingly say, can you pick another time to show up, dad? Because this is a, this is a tough moment, but that's the reason he shows up is because it's a tough moment. And my dad comes to my mind and I'm able to work my way through it. And, uh, and so you come into some of those checkpoints and they are some of the most emotionally challenging moments as you come in and your loved ones are there waiting for you. And if you have, and if I've just seen my father 10 miles earlier, those are tough times. You, you come in, uh, but it, you, you experience that it, it, it absorbs you. It takes you down into your fiber, your soul, however you want to describe that, however it wants to be defined. But it, it does help you go and find out where you were made and what made you. And, uh, and lifts, and, and I always use a lift point that I'm going to be okay and I'm going to make it on forward. So it, that's, those are always, that's one of the things that happens to me every year at DK. And it'll happen again this year. And, and, and I know it will. And I have faith that it will, and it will lift me up. Wow. That is, I don't, when you told me that story and you told me that that happened, Kurt, I was so moved. Like I'm a little choked up right now for you because I have a similar experience. Um, it's, it's coming different times, but my grandmother was very, very close to me. And, and by a, by a large account, she was, she was the most influential female in my, in my life, uh, up to, you know, her passing and now my marriage to joy. But, uh, <laughs> I would say that that is your experience and what you shared is something that, that makes these bucket list events so attractive to people is the opportunity to be a little vulnerable like that because we can get connected. And I've never heard it put so eloquently is the way you put it is that what you're made of and what made you. So for those people that are at home that maybe either A, don't know what made them or haven't been in touch with what made them, these bucket list events are the things that they're searching for that can help them experience that. And I don't mean it in some sort of way that 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 you don't know who you are or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to pick up. But really at your very, very core, you know, in that very raw moment, knowing what you're made of and knowing what made you is a touching thing. And that's what builds real strength. And for me as a coach, I love seeing my athletes have those experiences and they don't have to come in just 200 mile events. They come in all sorts of packages, right? We just have to be willing to, to open the package. But but for me, I think that's such a powerful thing that you're sharing that these bucket list events, be it a Leadville, be it a land run, be it a, um, a dirty Kansas or whatever um, they bring, you know, it could be even Cape Epic or something like that. But those are the kind of experiences that we're looking for. And, and so, Kurt, thank you for sharing that with us. That's like, man, I'm telling you that 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 emotion there, it stirs me and I know it stirs you, but. There's, there's going to be probably, I'm going to guess 3000 people on June 1st that have a similar 
you know, their own version of that kind of experience that hopefully moves them. And then what we hope will bring them back to this great event. I, yeah, I think that's about, yeah, I think it is close to 3000, you know, and I like the way you put something there, Brian was making me think that, uh, open the package and, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get, you'll get to open a package on June 1st and, and it's a gift, man. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to manifest itself like, but you're going to get to open up a package. That's pretty cool. That's a kind of a neat way of saying that, uh, uh, that I hadn't really thought about. So that's my, that, that's cool. I, I'm going to use that somewhere, somehow, some way. But, uh, so I'm, uh, you, you can, uh, you can thank me for that gift or that package you get open somewhere out there on June 1st. So. <laughs> I, I have a deep sensation. I might get multiple packages. <laughs> there might be multiple. Yeah. There might be multiple packages of adversity saying, "Hey, Brian, welcome." You know, and uh, you know one one of our our team manager for Elevate KHS Pro Cycling. His name is Paul Abrahams, and he's a lovely man. And he uh, he always likes to tell me that sometimes packages don't come with the wrapping paper you want, but you still need the package. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. I thought that's so profound for us as athletes in sport, because there's I, what he's really trying to say is there's teachable moments if you're willing to open the package. And in one of our, in all of our conversations, Kurt, you've been so open with helping me see that, that there are going to be teachable moments in this event, but also that there were maybe past teachable moments in previous events that I can apply to be able to be successful at this kind of event. I mean, do you have any, do you have any thoughts? So say if someone's at, at home and they're listening and they're like, Hey, I, I want to do a bucket list event like this. Like this is moving to me. I'd like to have that experience. What do you think are some things that they could use as, to, to learn from pre past experiences or what are things that they can learn from in an event like this, that they can't get anywhere else. Well, there's, um, there's very few things. I mean, we, we live in a really connected, disconnected world and, and there's very few times that you really get to test your, spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental strength in this day and age. I mean, work obviously is challenging. Believe me, there's days I'm sitting in here and I know the, the butt lubrication market's not, not, not hot as, thought as highly technical, but man, it can be pretty serious sometimes trying to determine what you're going to do, the right decision and right direction to take the company on some things. But, you know, I think that, uh, Something like this, it's, it, it is particularly one of these events where you're outside. So you, you've stripped that away. People don't spend enough time outside. So I, and I'm not sure I'm going to answer your question, right? Or if I'm even, I might even be drifting off. I'm, I'm probably off the course right now, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think people got to look in, find something that will challenge some of those cores. And, and, uh, embrace those. I mean, even if they're unsuccessful, embrace the, the experience of being unsuccessful and, and, and move from that towards what it takes to be successful. Learn from those mistakes. I mean, I don't, I don't learn from successes. I learn from mistakes. So I, I learn every day. I, I learn several times a day, uh, because I make mistakes all the time. So, 
I, I just, um, I'd encourage anybody, if someone's sitting on a sofa, to get up and try something. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, associate, it's like your mom used to say to you, I guess, you know, uh, who, you know, you, you're, you're going to be who you hang out with. So if you want to hang out, so if you, if you want to be something different, then go hang out with those people. And, and I think that the DK experience with you, they have a 25 mile, they have a 50 mile, they have a hundred mile and a 200 mile. Go hang out with the 25 milers. My, uh, my older sister, and quite frankly, she's much older than me. Uh, she would probably be listening to this. Uh, my older sister, she is so much older than me, but she's going to do the 25 miler this year. And, uh, she's not, she's only got a couple of years on me. I but, know. You're uh, so She's going to do the, she's going to do the 25 mile. I would never have imagined that she would do something like this. And for some reason, she's become inspired and she's going to do the 25 miler this year. I actually think she did it last year. So, uh, uh, but, and, and you never would have thought she would have done that 10 years ago, five years ago, but she got herself up off the sofa and she's doing it. So, and if I can finish this thing eight times, there's a, everybody can finish it once. I mean, I, I, I think it's worth, it's a worthy achievement to try and, and go do it. Uh, we all have to have the courage to go try new things. And so anyway, I'm not sure if that really talked to your point, but that was just a little bit of rambling for me. So anyway, that's, that's why you're here, Kurt. That was beautiful. man. That was beautiful. Cause that's, that's the truth of it, right? That's the truth of it is that, that you just have to test yourself and you have to stretch yourself. You know, one of the things we talk about in coaching a lot is, are we stretching our athletes? And, and obviously not in the physical sense, but, but in a metaphorical sense, are we challenging them suitably to create adaptation? And, and we, we live in a world that's really focused on convenience. And for mm-hmm. a while, it was convenience that would then produce more efficiency, right? But now we're seeing things like, well, fast food is convenient, but is fast food healthy? I think we can overwhelmingly answer that the majority of the time, no, if not all the time, no, right? And so you can say that that convenience or serving convenience doesn't always stretch or challenge or otherwise make our lives better. And what you're what you're saying is, and that's where kind of, I thought it was really important for you to talk about Emporia as a town is that the core of what it is to be human is like, it's just doing some work. Like you got work to do and don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Right. And that's where that's to me, that's what I hear you saying is like, be okay getting outside. And it doesn't have to be the 200 mile event that, that, you know, you go, maybe that's your ultimate prize, but maybe you have to start at the 25 mile or like your, like your sister, you know, that's incredible. I mean, if I knew her better, I might make a, make a, a joke about something with the age, but I'm gonna, I'm not going to right now because hopefully I'll meet her in a week and, and be able to congratulate her when she finishes. But, uh, you know, that, that to me is really inspiring because that, that's a great place to recognize the commonality that comes with these kind of gravel and, and what I'll call bucket list events for lack of a better term. But I hope that they're not just one and done, you know, and this then, by the yeah. way, this tends to happen with like Ironman athletes, like, and this is my tangent, you know, I know a number of people that like, you know, they'll do one Ironman and then it's like, cool, I got the tattoo. I'm good. Right. And that's something right. where 
where I feel like I, I don't want to put that person down because they're, I've, that's an amazing accomplishment. Like kudos to you. But I hope that people will take from our conversation, Kurt, is like, you don't have to do the epic thing once. Like maybe come back and we'll do some of the, the 25 or the 50 or the 100 or whatever it is to make it a regular check-in with yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, to get into that place where you might have that spiritual moment, where you might be so vulnerable, so raw that you have a, you have a moment where you're in touch with what you're made of and what made you. That just really made a big impact with me because that's a reconnection with our roots. And so coming into a place that's blue collar, like you're, Emporia where there's 20,000 people that all probably know each other by one degree of separation. And if they don't know each other, they're willing to walk up and say, hi, my name is, you know, Brian McCulloch. Here's a handshake. And that handshake is as good as a contract. That's a special place to be. And that's a special place to be a part of. And we should, we should heed that heritage and look to add value to it. Yes, I agree. Well, and I think too, you work with your athletes. It sounds like you do a lot with you know, their, their, their mental energy and their mental fitness. And, and, and that's truly what this is. I mean, you get out on some of this stuff and really all the difference between you finishing or quitting is whether you have the mental energy to keep going. It's, uh, did you mentally prepare well? Have you, has your brain been engaged enough to be taking care of yourself through the day? And sometimes that's all that's left is, is the, the decision. To whether to continue or or to not, and and you see that every day with your athletes, and you see you see it in the sprint sometime, or you see it up a mountain climb in a road race, you see it in yourself. Uh, you know, it's uh, I guarantee you though that after a two hundred miles on a bike, it makes everything else in life seem quite a bit easier, uh, and uh, everything else seems a whole lot more convenient. I mean. The DK is not a very convenient way to get from one end of Main Street Emporia to the other end of Main Street uh, by going 200 miles out through the country, but uh, it does it does set some things into you and and it does make you it, it fulfills you mentally because it challenges you mentally and it also obviously challenges you physically. But I think sometimes the mental aspect's even greater and the mental oh, growth is even greater. You know, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I coached a gentleman to do, I've coached a couple of guys that have done DK, both the hundred and the 200. And all, what we started with was the simple notion that, Hey, all of this stuff is, there's a ton of equipment considerations that we need to go through. There's, there's physical preparations to make you physically strong enough to handle it. But, but I really drilled it down to one simple concept and it, and it had two parts. And it was, there's the basic rule of endurance events are you don't have to move fast. You just have to keep moving because there's going to become a time when you have to battle that demon. And that demon is going to tell you, it's going to be like little, you know, those old Looney Tunes commercials where there was like an angel and a devil on your shoulders. And the devil's going to say, Hey man, just quit. It's easy. You're a loser. Just quit. It's okay. It's easy. It's easy. Take the easy path. And what, what we're asking our athletes and, and what I'm hoping everyone will do when they line up for DK is just, just choose to keep moving, just choose to keep moving and choose to make the, like, don't let that even be a decision. Quitting is not even an option. One way or another, you're going to find a way you're going to find a way. And if, if you can be open-minded enough in these very challenging and adverse situations, 
you usually can find a way because there is a possibility to figure it out, whether that means, you know, you have to ask your friend Kurt for a tube or you have to, you know, change your 15th flat, whatever it is, you can figure it out. And, and we've even talked about this with our friend, Neil Shirley, who finished, uh, I believe is his second DK or well, the second DK attempt. I think he finished on a single speed in like 15 hours or something like that, but he had to single speed for like 80 miles or something like crazy like that. And he could have very easily quit but he found a way to make that happen. And I might have some of those details wrong and he'll probably correct me on that. But the point was he could, he made it happen and it was like finishing was the only option. And so I hope at least for any athlete listening to this and certainly the athletes that we get to work with, they know like that's, that's our, that's our fundamental starting spot. And I mean, would there be anything you would add to that for anyone taking on a big event for their first time? Maybe really well, big stretch. So, someone, and gosh, I wish I knew who would say some of these things, or maybe it's me talking to myself when I'm out on long rides or something. But, you know, someone said it that, you know, if you think you're, if, if you're not at the finish and you're thinking about quitting, you need to ask yourself, did you ride this far to just ride this far? Well, no, you didn't. You didn't ride. If it's a 164 mile mark in the 200 mile event, you didn't. You didn't ride, you weren't riding to ride to 164 miles. You didn't ride that 164 miles to ride to 164 miles. You rode that 164 miles to ride to 200. And you're never going to be there again if you quit. So just keep moving, like you say, movement going forward, not wasting a lot of time in checkpoints and things like that, but keep moving forward. So ask yourself, did you ride this far to just ride this far? Or did you ride this far so you could finish? And I think, and I say that to myself quite a bit. Uh, and I'm going to say my, that to myself a lot this year because it hasn't been the best preparation year, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get through it. So one thing that that makes me think of is like you said, maybe the preparation hasn't been the best. And as you and I've been talking every other week or so leading up to, the event. And it's just been so powerful for me. Um, you know, it's okay that preparation, and this is just the coach in me, like, it's okay that preparation isn't perfect. That's okay. Like we have to, we have to bake that into the cake that we live in a world where we, where we think that, that, the that everyone else is pre preparing perfectly. They have no, um, uh, They've had no adversity, but, but what we tend to think about in reality is everybody has adversity. Nobody shows up exactly where they want to be. And so I think this is an important place to think about where chamois butter as a brand comes in because you guys make some products that, that really make it easy. Like there are preparation things that we need to do for sure. And one of those preparation things is dial in some skincare, dial in some things that can make 200 miles in the seat so much more manageable is maybe the way to put it. I mean, you've done it more than I have. So you tell me what the right wording is, but I, I think that's really important for people that if you're at home and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to take on either 200 miles or I'm going to take on a hundred miles or I'm going to do whatever my epic event it is, be it a grand fondo or for that matter, be it a, a super fast cyclocross race. Like if you've never done it before, you're outside your comfort zone there's some real basic things that you can do. And, and I know for me, I mean, on my home, uh, you know, I have like my, 
kind of, I don't want to call it my office setting, but basically I have a station where I, cause I ride every day, like I have a <laughs> station there and at my station every day is a tube of chamois butter and a, a bit of skin wash, right? Chamois butter skin wash. And what I do is like, it's just like, that's part of my everyday routine is like, or I go ride, I use chamois butter on short rides, long rides, easy rides, hard rides, dirt rides, road rides, everything in between rain rides, dry rides, always chamois butter, right? That's just the way it is. And then I have the skin wash for afterwards when I come home and let's just say I come home and, you know, I've used our, our PR lotion from amp HP. You know, I use that in training quite a lot. I will use that to I'll pull that off, right? I use the skin wash, put it on a, on a chamois butter rag, wipe it down, or if I have sunblock on or something like that. But there's, you guys have lots of great products. Are there anything for you as a, as an eight time finisher of the DK? Are there any things that you think are essential to that? What, what, what products for you are essential? Well, you know, certainly chamois butter is essential. And, and you know, go, going on to that just a little bit, you know, it's a, uh, it, if, if I talk to some people and they say, well, I don't use it unless I start to chafe. Well, basically you, if you chafe, you're injuring your skin and, and an injury is never good. I, I don't recall ever thinking of any injury ever being any good, particularly on, you know, one of the major contact points of your bicycle. Uh, if you get chafing in, in your groin area or on your seat, you're, you're going to have some issues, particularly for longer duration events. And so certainly chamois butter is a very big part of that. And, and, uh, you know, depending upon the heat of the day, the humidity and every person has their own kind of, uh, uh, natural, uh, way that their skin reacts, you know, it, it, it's something that will need to be reapplied a few times, probably in every checkpoint or maybe even sometimes in between. So I strongly encourage, I mean, that's, that's the starting point. That's a, a, for lack of a term, that's a foundation, uh, 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 part of, of getting prepared for the ride and everything. And, you know, there's, we have, we have four different versions of creams. Actually, we have a, an original formula that's been out. Actually, it's been out 26 years this year. So we've been around a long time. We've been involved with cycling an awful long time and we use our own products and, they're, they're U.S. made products. It's, uh, it's made here in the USA. We're right in, we're just in Kansas City, Missouri is where our, we're just northeast of Kansas City a little bit in a small town called Pleasant Valley. Uh, and, uh, so also too, that if you do use chamois cream, you'll have a Pleasant Valley. So just anyway, that little tongue in cheek on that one, but, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. But we have the original formula and then we have a Euro style formula, which has menthol and, and witch hazel in it. The menthol is a natural antiseptic. Um, and so it prevents, uh, can help prevent any types of infections and things. If you do end up with some abrasions, um, or some chafing, we have a her formula, which is pH balance for women. Uh, women and men are different, which is, I know that's shocking to some people, but they do have different skin pH levels. And so we're the first cream that actually came out with a women's formula that was pH balanced, a better model after a woman's skin pH level. And then we just came out with a new cream called Shammy Butter Coconut. And, uh, our other three creams have, have mineral oil in them. Nothing wrong with mineral oil. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very prevalent. It's used in a lot of products. Baby oil, everybody probably had baby oil. That's 100% mineral oil. So mineral oil is safe to use, but there's also people that like something that's a little bit more natural. And so we came out with this coconut and it has 
natural, uh, it has organic uh, coconut uh, oil in it, certified organic coconut oil instead of mineral oil. It has a few other skin restorative things like some tea tree oil and things like that. But it's it, it should, you know, give somebody a choice. Uh, and, and all those creams are a two to, th- depending upon the person, a two to three hour type application thing. So uh, they all come in small packets so you can carry resupply packets with you or you can also have a tube like you do, Brian. Every time you get ready to ride or at the checkpoints, you can have a resupply. Everyone's just a little bit different. For me, I can go four or five hours without a reapplication, but I'm a little different than some people. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing to start with. I, I do think that, you know, that some of the toughest thing on these longer events, particularly DK is your whole hydration and nutrition plan. And that's a, that's a whole dive down into things. Uh, you know, bike tires are always a tough selection. There's just, that's a whole not, that might be a whole other ramble cast that we could do sometime. So just <laughs> on the, the Kurtz blue collar rules on how to finish the DK. I've got four or five, six rules that I think that you have to apply. And that's a whole other time. So anyway. Wow. The blue co- Kurtz blue collar rules. I want to know those. Those are awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, that's so cool. You know, I just the first thing that comes to my mind when you're talking about that, Kurt, is like, okay. I've been using chamois butter, like well, we've kind of talked about this before we came on. And it's like, I don't even talk about chamois cream. It never even occurred to me that that like actually what the product is, is chamois cream. Cause it's just always chamois butter. I've known it ever since I was very brand new to cycling. And I was coming from being a motorcycle racer. Like, Oh, you know, somebody would be like, Oh, you're having some chafing problems. Like you need chamois butter. Like, so I've never known that the product was actually chamois cream right like skin lotion right but like i nobody nobody that i know says oh yeah let's go get some chamois cream like a hundred percent everybody that i know is hey let's go get some chamois butter and i think that's a testament to the brand and how long you've been around and how you've influenced the market to be like it's influenced the market sounds like it's such a business thing i mean like like how you've really helped people ride their bikes longer because you're like hey this is, I get chamois butter. I get chamois butter. I get chamois butter. Well, like I, it never even occurred to me like, Oh, well, do you get her or do I get, do I get coconut? Do I get Euro style? Do I, what, you know, none of that ever occurred to me. It was just chamois butter. And even when I talk with our athletes at big wheel coaching, it's always like, Hey, just get some chamois butter. And, and I was never yeah. consciously trying to be like, Oh yeah, they need to buy chamois butter. It's it's always just subconsciously like, well, that's the way I think of it. Kind of like, you know, like, give me a Kleenex, not give me a tissue. Right. It's just like the, the product has been that impactful for so many people that it's allowed them to ride longer, you know, in these kind of epic events. You've got to get through it. And then again, you guys listen to people because you're riders yourselves. And so you have these little one time use packets. They're not like you guys didn't make them as like, hey, here's a sample. Try it out. You made it for a resupply because you're doing epic stuff. Like it's such a cool thing that like people needed it. You made it for them. And now, you know, it's really easy. I have, I have some of those myself. And so like if somebody, when we lead rides, you know, for whatever reason, if somebody comes to a ride that we're leading and they don't have something, I have, you know, five of those extra in my, in my bag. And I just like, Hey man, use this. Hey man, use this. I always try to do that because it's just so convenient. And again, it's not like sample 
sampling as much as it's like this was designed for a specific purpose as a resupply or in this particular case, oops, I forgot it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a method to that madness. I mean, yeah, we, we do use it. It is convenient for a sample, but, but it is, is more portable. And, and, you know, we're, we're from the practical side of things. I mean, the product was, was for lack of a better term, developed or invented by, by Steve Matthews back over, you know, 26, 27, 28 years ago. I think he worked on it three or four years just trying to perfect it. And, and it's a tremendous story, really, to be honest. I mean, back in those days, it was leather. People had leather chamois. I mean, chamois comes from the, the word chamois for in the cycling shorts comes from a deer in the Pyrenees in, in, in France that they use the skin of that deer to make leather padding for cycling shorts back for the last hundred years. And then somewhere in the last 20 years, it went from being a leather chamois, which needed to be cared for. You had to, after you laundered it, you had to oil it with either olive oil or some other petrolatum type product. Well, Steve wanted a product that would be water soluble because those other products would tend to clog pores, stain clothing, those types of things. So out of necessity, Steve wanted a product that would not clog pores, would be healthy for the skin and would not, and would not, uh, would not stain other clothing that would be in the laundry with it. So he came up with this product and, you know, he, he, I mean, he started out mixing chamois butter in a five gallon bucket, pouring the raw chemical or the raw, not chemicals, the raw products of the mineral oils and the lanolin and other things into a bucket. He'd use a sheetrock metal, uh, sheetrock mud stirrer on a drill to mix it all up, clamp a lid on it, pressurize it and hand fill four ounce jars, hand label four ounce jars, and then put them in boxes and ship them out. They did that in his basement for a number of years till he finally in the mid nineties was able to kind of get it to where it was big enough to be packaged. And and so, yeah, the mother of necessity, he did that uh, mostly for his own interest, but found out that it would work for other people. And then they transferred to more of a synthetic chamois, but found out it still works for some people. So, you know, it's it's quite a it's kind of an underdog story, which is kind of what I wanted to make sure I got across about Emporia, real small town in a flyover state. That's kind of an underdog story that now leads the world in gravel racing. And is changing the bicycle industry across the nation a little bit. It's getting people on bikes that wouldn't normally get on bikes because it opens up a whole new world of riding for them. So that's kind of the the essence of how we as a company have developed. Uh, and like I said, I've been here for a little over 14 years. We're really a small company and we're still a small company, but we've done very well over the last 10 or 15 years. But we still have a long ways to go. But it all was based upon trying to make something better, trying to improve something, trying to meet a need. And, and, and that's what we're still trying to do every day that we come into work. That is so powerful, man. That is so powerful. And for, for myself, again, I, I've never known it any different, but that as a small business owner myself, I look at, you know, how are we, how are we able to help really change and influence in a very, in the most positive way possible people's lives? And that's why we love coaching is it allows us to make an impact and help other people have a great experience with the sport that has given us so much. (laughs) Right. And, and I love that Kurt, that that's the same 
that's the same message that you guys have, but you're doing it in a product. Whereas we have a service-based business where it's like, Oh, let's talk about your training. Let's make sure we work on your preparation. Let's, let's, you know, talk about hydration and nutrition and equipment and pacing and all of these things. Whereas you're able to say, Hey, here's a product. It's all natural that we have done so much research and time and test and put love and effort and endless hours of sweat into to, to make available. So it's the best product product possible to serve your need, to make sure that your experience is just that little bit better. And I, and you know, again, I, I'm putting out, putting my bias out there cause I've owned, I've used chamois butter for so, so long, but I feel so thankful to over that time when I was a customer and buying it at the bike shop every week, that was just what I did, right? It was like, okay, on Saturday I finished my ride. Then I go buy a new tube of chamois butter. Right. And now to be able to come full circle where you've invited me to be a part of your team at the biggest gravel race in the world to basically you're inviting me into not just your team, but into your world. And not only did you do that is say, Hey, well, I'll see you on June 1st, like see you on the line. You've been going above and beyond and saying, Hey, Brian, I want to help you make sure you have a great event. And, and I really wanted to make sure we told that story because that's the underdog component you're talking about. That's where you just put in the time, you and Steve and Karen, everybody at Shammy Butter that I don't know, but am excited to meet. I'm just so thankful to be a part of this process with you, Kurt. And thank you for, for being able to being so open with this process, both with you as an athlete and as, uh, just, a grassroots visionary that's seen this from all sides, really. Well, thank you, Brian. It's, it's, it's been a great hour with you and it's always been, I mean, you got my phone, you got my phone number, my office, you got my cell phone. Always enjoy talking to you. I think you're going to have a real blast. I hope that the people that, that your athletes that get to listen to this and anybody else at some time will take on some of this challenge, if not all of this challenge, to come out and give it a try. Maybe not the DK. That, that's a big one. But go, go get a local one. Go, you know, get, go do something. Get on a bike and go do something. And I think the magical things happen. So I love that. I was just going to ask you, man, you beat me to it. I was just going <laughs> to ask you. I was going to be like, Hey, okay, like parting shot. What's one, one bit of Kurt? Kurt's advice. And you're like, Hey, go challenge yourself, go get on a bike and go challenge yourself. Okay. So anything that you would say to that point, let's sweeten the deal, right? Like Kurt, and this is a real thing, everybody at home, by the way, I've seen it. Kurt's blue collar rules for the DK is a real thing. It's been published and edited and shared with many, many people. And I've had the opportunity. I've quick read it once. And now I'm going to go back and reread it because I, I want to make sure I fully get it, but let's just Hold that all for a moment. So Kurt, like, what do you say? Somebody says, okay, I'm going to pull the, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to go challenge myself. I'm going to get outside my, my box. What's one thing you tell that person? How can Um, they be successful? How can they be successful? Don't underestimate yourself. uh, And be stubborn. And find friends, uh, ask people for help. And, uh, you know, I mean, find, if you want to find out about how, how to do something, find the people that are doing it and, and get involved with them. And that was some of the best ways to get through success and just know that you can do it. It's, 
there's, I, I had no concept that it would be number nine approaching me. I had no idea that's what the thing is. I had no idea that I was going to be able to finish it the first time. So you can do tremendous things. So you just go out there and try and you will surprise yourself and you will do tremendous things. I think that's just, I guess that's the, that's the thing I would, I would leave it with. So. Wow. Okay. All right. So we always close these podcasts out then with some gratuity and just some thankfulness and the most obvious thanks is for your time, Kurt. Like you are just, you're so generous with your time. You really are. You're in charge of a big, uh, a very important business that's helping people make their cycling better. And I'm so thankful for some of your time today and, and all the other times we've talked together. I'm super excited to see you in a week. So it's obvious for me to be thankful for those things. But maybe what's not so obvious for those folks at home is what I'm really excited about and thankful for is the opportunity to be a part of your team, to be a part of something bigger than myself and to be able to add value and hopefully in some way positively influence somebody else's experience and welcome them into our tribe. So thank you for giving me that opportunity and and thank you. I'm just so excited for what ahead, what's ahead. I don't know what's ahead. There could be a lot of presents. You never know. And, uh, <laughs> some, some of them better than, and more, more likable than others. But again, I just so thankful for all of that, Kurt. Is, is there anything, what's on your mind when you think of like, you know, some closing gratuity? Well, I, um, I, I appreciate it. It's funny, Brian. I, I've learned about myself by talking with you. Uh, and, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to, to dig into, uh, not only you, but myself and figure things out. Uh, I am thankful that, uh, you know, the very first DK I did, I did it with my son. It took us over 17 hours and my son's going to join me again this year. So I'm thankful that I, I have a, a, a son that will participate with me in that way. I'm thankful for my health. I struggled last year. I was off the bike for, six or eight weeks dealing with pneumonia. I, uh, I didn't appreciate my health until those weeks that I'd lost it and was unable to ride. So I'm really thankful that, Hey, I'm going to go out there and tow the line and I'm going to finish this DK. And it hasn't been the best preparation, but I, I know I'll do it. And I, I think I, I, I'm thankful for my ability to, to do that and the support from my wife, Stacy and my work environment here. They support me. Uh, we watch videos about the DK over lunch sometimes. And so I'm thankful I'm in the, in the organization, the situation and the environment that I'm in. And I'm surrounded by great friends and family and, uh, have great customers that support us. And I'm thankful for all that. I love it, Kurt. I love it. So just, I, I can't, I can't leave you without saying this. You're going to have a great, great event because you have that, that foundation of that mental toughness that when you are tested, You'll show up. You might be at the altar of suffering and you might have to get on your knees and you might have to spend a lot of time on your knees, Kurt, but like, man, <laughs> man, you're up for the challenge. And I know you're going to answer that call every time with, I will keep moving. So, you know, thank you again for your time, Kurt. It's just been so tremendous and I can't wait. I hope you'll come back and we'll be able to do a follow up after DK and then uh, maybe talk about some lessons learned, celebrate your ninth completion and hopefully my first and uh, we'll kind of go from there. All right. Sounds good, Brian. Thank you very much. Oh, you're lovely, man. Thanks so much. And, and uh, 
we'll be applying the chamois butter for sure. <laughs> we'll talk Alrighty. to you soon, Kurt. All righty. Butter early, butter often, baby. <laughs> I love it. See ya.